Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I'm Ross Hillier, your host. Uh, got an interview episode today. It is Monday, so that's what we do. Today, I am immensely excited for the guest today, Zach Evan Esch. And uh, I have been following Zach for over 10 years now uh, and learning from him ever since I got into coaching back in 2013, 2014. Uh, he's got one of the most impressive and extensive online presences when it comes to fitness and, and coaching and, and strength and all of this anywhere. And it's because that he's been doing it really since the beginning. Like he had YouTube channels and blogs before both of those things were cool, uploading videos and writing blog posts. And I mean, there's just immense amounts of material and content that he's put out over the last uh, probably 20 years now. And uh, so I've been learning from him from a long time, for a long time. And uh, we, again, you know, a lot of these episodes post Summer Strong are all people that I got to meet finally at Summer Strong. And, you know, he and I have talked back and forth for a couple of years now via Instagram, but just finally got to meet in person and it was great. And uh, we both really nerd out on old historic strong man strength, you know, literature and culture and all that kind of stuff. We really connect over that. And so uh, that was one of the reasons I wanted to bring him on today. And we got into that and it was pretty awesome. And we, al we also got into just a lot of really great motivational uh, content and, and topics of conversation for you guys out there. It was such a blast to talk to him for a little bit. We were a little bit on a time crunch uh, schedule wise. So this one comes in a little bit shorter than a lot of the other interviews, but we have already uh, uh, begun the process of planning a part two. So that will be coming out uh, sometime soon as well. 
So I really hope I, I I hope you guys enjoy it. But I know you'll enjoy it because Zach is fantastic to listen to, and it was just a really fun conversation for me. So before we get into that, y'all know what I'm going to do. Please go rate, review, subscribe, leave a five star review, do all those things uh, wherever you listen to podcasts when you have the ability to, because it honestly really does help the show to grow. And the show has grown uh, probably. I would say the last time I looked, I would say something like in terms of download numbers, something like 200% in the last four weeks, which has been wild. So thank you for all of you who have done those things already and shared and uh, shared episodes with your friends and tagged me on Instagram or sent them to friends and family or, or wh- whoever it is. It really does mean a lot. So uh, let's dive into the episode with Zach Evan Esch. All right, my man, Zach. Thank you for hopping on and taking time for us, man. Thanks, dude. Let's, let's be honest. I messed up. Let's tell the, <laughs> tell the audience. You know, I talk so much about accountability and responsibility, and I messed up uh, not switching my iPhone calendar. So I also like to be fully transparent and tell people, dude, I ain't perfect. <laughs> well... Transparency is appreciated, but it honestly today wasn't that big of a deal. I have the time, so it's all as long as we can make it happen. I'm pumped for it, dude. Okay. Uh, it was cool getting to meet you at Summerstrong finally after what seems like yes. just a bunch of years of Instagram DMs and whatnot. So it was uh, it was a pleasure to actually like you know get to hug a person for a lot of reasons this last year, but like just get to hang out and chill in person for a little bit. I know it's uh, some like at this Summerstrong. I would meet people and I was like, did we meet at the last summer strong or have we just been talking through social? It, yeah. it, I guess it shows you like social is a powerful connector tool. Yeah. You know, as much as I really don't like being on my Instagram and all that, mm-hmm. um, I love this. Like yeah. to have to meet genuine people. And um, so I, I try to look at, you know, the positives of it. And so that, yeah, man, that was great. It was cool because, I mean, for a lot of reasons. So I started coaching in middle of 2014. Uh, and you and Joe D were like one of the, like the, like literally the first two deep dives into content and stuff that I had like just immersed myself in through all that stuff. And so like I've been reading and watching videos and listening to your stuff for ages. So, and then when we started talking on Instagram, it was like, oh, cool. He's like a real dude. And then like, <laughs> and then we get to go hang out. So we're like, oh, he's like even more a real dude now. Yeah. So it was this kind um, of trip. I hear like, dude, so many people are like, I watched you. I watched Joe DeFranco. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to hear yeah. that kind of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, it's a real dude. And then I get the uh, roadhouse thing. Like, man, I thought you were bigger. (laughs) So when people um, bring me like t-shirts or they send them to me, they'll often send me like a double XL. (laughs) They, you know, they think I'm like six foot five or something and like 275. (laughs) So they're like, man, you look bigger on that YouTube video. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's funny, man. Um, Well, one of the reasons that I, I wanted, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that I wanted to talk to you specifically just from like I mentioned, having so much uh, influence on my coaching stuff from so long. But one of the things that you really kind of kicked off a, a weird obsessive habit for me when it comes to like old strength stuff. Like, and I'm talking like decades old, re, you know, historical yes. strength stuff. And because uh, you used to post, I mean, you still do, you post about it all the time. And I just like 
thought that stuff was fascinating, man. Like looking at all the, you know, Eugene Sandow's and Hackenschmidt's and uh, all of these guys from literally at this point now, like over a hundred years ago and, and doing stuff that we would still like for 95% of the people be like, that's exactly what you should be doing. You know? Yeah. It's, it is just, you know, uh, this morning in my office, I was looking through some of the old, uh, the drawers I have with Mm -hmm. the old books and you look at their physiques, they're ripped, they're built solid. And mm-hmm. they were able to really perform such amazing feats of strength. And so um, there was certainly an appeal to how they looked, but a lot of it was they were performing strongmen. Mm-hmm. They would do circus tricks, lifting odd objects, or they had those short barbells. And so, you, you know, you look at like these lists that they were doing. Eugene Sandow was not a big guy, but he's lifting, he's doing, you know, like a bent press with like over 150 pounds in one arm. You know, it's like close to probably 100% of the guy's body weight. So I, you know, when I came across that stuff, the older stuff, what really inspired me was the, uh, my daughter stopping by. I'm on on the podcast. Go ahead. You're going to train yeah, and I just need water. This is Summers. She's just here for water, <laughs> not actually working out. <laughs> That's what they do. So I've, I've got so much of those older books. And now what's interesting, very much like this older equipment, is some people don't really value it. So they are yeah. trading it and utilizing it like somebody flips houses. I use it. People mm-hmm. call me all the time or, I mean, they mess me all the time. Will you sell that book? Will you sell that mm-hmm. dumbbell? Will you sell that plate? And I'm like, dude, this stuff is not in an office yeah. as a showroom. It's stuff that we lift on. Yeah. But, um, you know, how minuscule is my stuff compared to pop soaring? I was just going to bring that up. That whole dude, museum is insane. I, man. I haven't, this was my first time at the new headquarters. It's and awesome. so. Um, I was at, you know, uh, it's crazy how many I missed, like four of them. I think the previous ones I was in there, it may have been their second location, possibly Mm -hmm. the original. They had like a deadlift platform with all those old plates, the Vongo Chromes. He had the old stuff. But now, I mean, I was, you're literally in a museum, Mm -hmm. then the upstairs library. Yep. And wow, man, I don't really know what to say, but. I spent a lot of time in there. Mm-hmm. I actually took a tour of it and forgot to post it. Now that you're reminding <laughs> me, I, I like videoed everything. Yeah. And there was so much stuff. I, I didn't know there was all those different grippers. I never saw so many different grippers. Tons different, of them. Co- different colors. He had a lot of vintage equipment, like the, um, the vintage grippers. Because mm-hmm. here's what's interesting, Ross. So I'm 45. Are you in your 40s or no? No, I'm almost 30. Yeah. You're a young kid, as they say in jerky boys, you know, you sound like a young kid. So you're in your late twenties, man, dude, that means I'm like, you know, 18, 17 years older than you, even before my time, you know, when I got into training Mm -hmm. 1989, my older brother was kind of buying books in like the 87 era with pops's era. Everything was about get strong, build muscle, like be a he-man. Mm-hmm. Then there was no, I don't want to say there was no things on fat loss, but that was not a pivot point or a focus <clears throat> for his era. Right. So if you look through the magazines, everything is about 
gaining muscle, gaining size, gaining confidence. Even like the self-defense stuff was like, yeah. you know, not, you know, knock out five attackers, you know, with this one move, everything was focused on strength. Whereas mm-hmm. today it's a lot of like your appearance. It's, you know, right. what you look like. And I think that can take people so far, you know, let's say, um, you know, I did yesterday a, um, like I'm redoing this whole business program. Mm. And uh, I said to them, if you train adults, you might, you're maybe getting them in the door for like appearance stuff. They want to lose weight. They want to, you know, uh, do body composition, change that. But then how do you keep somebody for four five, six, seven years? Mm-hmm. You can't keep losing weight. You know, you right. can't keep <laughs> right. focusing on getting ripped. So now there has to be deeper layers. And <clears throat> that's, what's really cool about those old books and magazines mm. is they were inspiring. They pulled you in and inspired you to be strong. And today I, I feel like that's a big missing component. Yeah, They're not so much inspired to be strong. And look, I see it firsthand. I train, I'm a full-time strength coach at a high school and those kids will do squeeze pump. And I said to myself, when I first got there two years ago, these kids will probably be pretty well educated because of everything on the internet. Right. And when I got there, all they did was like some shitty benching and like a gazillion curls, yep. like just crap technique. And you're, it's like, whoa, dude, there's so much amazing information out there, but these kids are still benching and curling. I'm going to like step out to my gym area so you yeah. can hear the beeping sound. Oh, no worries. Uh, it's crazy because in those old those old methods and that old mindset really more uh, focusing on strength. And like you said, building muscle and confidence, all that stuff gave them the appearance that everybody now is looking for That's right. without, you know, pursuing our, those um, things. Our buddy, Johnny Wellborn always says this. He goes, if you train for looks, mm-hmm. you might get a little bit of the performance side effect, but if you train for performance first, Mm-hmm. You will be getting the aesthetics as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I've yeah. seen it firsthand here, training all, training all these athletes. We're training for performance. Yesterday yeah. or what's today? Wednesday, Monday. I haven't seen a kid for a long time at the weight room. He's like, Evan Ash, look at me. I've got the abs. I've got the <laughs> six pack. You know, the girls did the six pack. And that very same kid uh, barely plays in football. Yet he could, he's very strong in the weight room, but then front squatting, squatting deep, leg work Mm -hmm. really messes him up. And I've always said those who do not train their legs hard or do deep squats, Mm -hmm. they tend to lack grit. They tend Mm -hmm. to lack conditioning and toughness. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been seeing that for a long time. So when when I give athletes an opportunity to do extra Sometimes it's full freedom, whatever you want, arms, this or that. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is at that high school, I, because the kids are not <clears throat> consistent, when they have extra, they tend to do arms and benching. Mm-hmm. Whereas the kids here at the underground, when they are given the opportunity to do extra, they want to deadlift and squat mm-hmm. and farmer walk and do like heavy zercher carries. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> a couple of months, well, damn, dude, it, this goes fast. September, this <laughs> yeah. past September <clears throat> school had started, you know, we're still in all this COVID stuff out here back then. 
and uh, I had to furlough my coaches. So I was coaching at the high school. Then I was coaching here. I was doing like eight or nine hours of coaching a day. And I remember one day I got here. I got here after um, the high school. Mm -hmm. So I coached like five, six groups there. And I'm like, man, I do not want to run these kids through this warm up. So I was like, all right, it's Wacky Wednesday. You guys create your own warm up. (laughs) And it's mid September. You know, nobody's done a handshake. Everybody had been fist bumping and elbow bumping and all that shit. And uh, they're like, we do our warm up. I'm like, whatever you want, use medicine balls, dumbbells, do curls. I don't give a crap. Create your own warm up, no rules. <clears throat> so a kid gets under a big kid and like fireman's carries him and starts <laughs> running with him. <clears throat> and I was like, oh my God, we haven't shaken hands since March. And the first thing he did was, was grab somebody. That's so then great. from there, they did partner hand walking. And if you look at the old strength and health magazines, yeah. You would see um, there would be these kind of sections. Maybe it was muscular development or Ironman. They're, they're all a blur to me, but the older ones right. from the 50s and 60s, they would have sections devoted to weightlifting, powerlifting, mm-hmm. and like gymnastics, hand, mm-hmm. hand balancing, handstand yeah. development, um, and then bodybuilding. They blended everything together. For me, I get you know magazines in the late 80s, Hollywood is, you know, busting with, you know, uh, Arnold and Sly. And so everything was bodybuilding focused, not performance. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, and look, even the movies, I say, what movies do these kids get inspired by? Like they never show the rock training. Right. As a kid, I saw Rocky in uh, this movie theater doesn't exist. It was called movie city five in Woodbridge, New Jersey. And so my daughter's going to hear the story. Woodbridge, New Jersey, this area was a little bit rough. And Movie City 5 was close. We also had Perth Amboy movie theaters, which is also closed. Movie City 5, I am in, crap, was I in third grade or fifth grade? I think I'm in fifth grade. I'm I'm, uh, 10 years old, 1985. And um, we watched Rocky 4. And I go with these uh, two kids up the street, these two twins, And when Rocky is training and like fighting Drago, Mm -hmm. the movie theater is screaming, kill that Russian. Like they're (laughs) dropping F-bombs. You know, we're there alone. And I remember like the twins looking at me. I'm looking at them like, dude, we're going to get killed. We will get killed. Like people were going nuts. They thought it was like a real movie. But what did we do after seeing Rocky Four? You went to the mall. You bought the soundtrack cassette tape. And what did we do? Curls and push-ups. And so what movie do kids have today that inspire them to lift? Yeah, the only thing, it's like, and not even the superhero movies, which you would think would be like the main thing, but not none of those even have right. like cool the, training sequences yeah. or anything. So the superheroes for us in the 80s, you got, you know, Carl Weathers, who's Apollo. You yep. got, you know, for my brother's, my older brother's birthday, I was in third grade, we saw Predator. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I would think I was like eight years old. What the heck? If awesome. you predator and all those dudes are jacked up, yep. you want to lift. And I know that inspired my older brother. And so he's the guy that started accumulating weights, mm-hmm. buying it, putting weights in his room. And, um, you know, I always share the story of riding our bike across the highway, which was like sacrilege to drive across <laughs> Route 1 on a bike. He had money from being a bus boy. I had money as a paper boy. 
he bought 40 pounds and we put 20 pounds in each backpack, road bikes home, and my brother would start lifting. And so I look at today and it's like, where do they get inspiration from? Yeah. You know, they only could get inspired from Instagram, mm -hmm. whoever gets the most views and the most views come through anything that's like shock and awe. You okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing that has uh, much real, real substance, substance to it at all. That's right, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's heartbreaking to be honest with you. And so this is war, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> real war. Like it, I, sometimes that's what keeps me going. It's like, man, I got to share this stuff to get more people aware of this. Yeah. There's a guy on uh, Instagram, Paul Leonard. I think he was like a mentor to my buddy, Josh Bryant. You know, Josh okay. at Jailhouse uh, Strong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So Paul's Instagram is powerlifting history illustrated, something like that. Oh, cool. And he shares all kinds of old photos with old stories. Oh, that's awesome. And just, yeah. And you look at it, it's just such a trip down memory lane. And so a lot of this stuff is timing. When were mm -hmm. you born? Who were you around? Yeah. And so what is available, you know, things that would work may not really thrive in the real world. And so let's say I want to start a boxing club. When I was a kid, there was a boxing club in Perth Amboy, the neighboring town, which is where mm -hmm. John Grimm is from. Perth Amboy is a super blue collar area, but that boxing club was for boxers and mm. fighters. It wasn't for somebody who wanted to get fit, who right. wanted to do boot camp fitness. It was right. for people who wanted to box in the ring mm -hmm. and, and be prepared to fight in the street because you're going to get bullied. And this is, dude, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent. No, I love I, it. All these things stop people from training. So I say yeah. to my kids, we're in a beautiful town, you know, very safe town. <clears throat> when I was a kid, there was always a bully somewhere, a bully in your class, in your grade, in the locker room for phys ed. Um, my older brother would consistently get into fights. You know, you had like the burnouts, you had the nerds, you mm -hmm. had the jocks, then you had mm -hmm. people who just wanted to kind of survive. And so I remember doing push-ups because I was scared. And I was mm -hmm. like, I got to start doing push-ups. Yeah, I lost the arm wrestling matches, but I wanted to gain self-respect. And that next year, when I started doing push-ups in seventh grade, then the next year in eighth grade, when I started lifting weights and getting results, people started commenting yeah. on my arms, on my shoulders. And let me tell you something, they treated me differently. And then, yeah. you know, freshman year, 122 pounds. By the time the wrestling season started, I weighed 135. So in 12 weeks, I gained a pound every week. End of senior year, I'm 185. So I gained like 60 pounds through high school, which to me, I think is pretty much normal. Right. I've been at this high school for two years and I see kids who haven't even gained muscle. Crazy. And so I'm like, why do they not gain muscle? Yeah. Not consistent. Let's say they are semi-consistent. <clears throat> the mind is not connected to the body. So they don't, you know, I was so obsessed over it. I visualized myself getting bigger and stronger. Where did I learn that from? Reading old books of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Do kids yeah. read books anymore? You know, my first book was Arnold's Education of a Bodybuilder. So and good. he spoke about visualizing. He spoke about training with, you know, older guys who would mentor him. He spoke about training in crappy gyms. I remember one in particular story very much inspired me was 
He trained at a gym that didn't have a traditional incline bench. It had a slant board, mm. which was common in the physical culture days of 40s, 50s. And so he said every set began with a power clean, and then he would lay back, <clears throat> incline bench, Crazy. and then go upright. And he said, because of that, my traps and upper back got a lot of muscle. Yep. So I remember at Diamond Gym, I started doing muscle cleans and push presses. And I'll never forget, you know, John Kemper, rest in peace. But John Kemper saw me and I walked by him. He goes, holy shit, Zach. <laughs> and uh, he's like, what are you on? Because people in that gym <clears throat> used, you know, they Wrong used stuff. Yep. <clears throat> and I said, hard fucking work. <laughs> he's like, I love, I love it. it. I love it. <laughs> That's and, awesome. Um, it's so funny that the supplements back then were like not as regulated. So I was talking with John and Jason Arntz. They're at the front desk and um, they start talking to me about nutrition because I'm telling them I'm like kind of stuck at, at like 202 pounds, 204 pounds. And they're like, well, you know, what are you eating? So I tell them how I'm eating. And basically <clears throat> my mom always cooked for us. My breakfast was always eight egg whites, one yolk bowl of oatmeal always my meals after that were chicken and rice fish and rice barely ever once in a blue moon maybe a little bit through the summer my dad would make burgers or a steak so they go where's all your fat where's your mm. fat where's your minerals where's your salad i go I, I can't eat fat i'm like i don't have a six pack they're like that's why you don't have a six pack mm, yeah <clears throat> you're on a low fat diet so they say to me you gotta eat more i'm like eat more than this they're like, here's what you're going to do. You're already, you know, in the summertime when I was teaching, I had the summer off because I would bartend at night. He's like, do your breakfast. But instead of eight egg whites, you're going to go four whites, four yolks. So you're going to have eight. He goes, then you can have your oatmeal. He goes, when you're done training, I want you to have a protein shake here. And back then, Rich Gasparri had a good protein shake that was in a bottle. Mm -hmm. So you just take the cap off, put water in it, shook it up. It was awesome. He goes, then you're going to go home. I want you to have a spoon of peanut butter, maybe two spoons. Then you're going to grill up a steak and eat a salad. He goes, without that salad, he goes, you're missing a lot of vitamins, minerals, fiber. So he's like, you need a salad a day. Then John had like these supplements. I don't know what brands they were. And um, he's like, I want you to try this. And I can't remember what exactly it was. He's like, this will be like, you'll feel like you're on D-ball. I go, I wouldn't. I go, oh, I wouldn't know. He goes, yeah. I would. <laughs> right. so, you know, those guys were so honest with me. And, you know, I never took anything because I was afraid. That's the bottom line. Like, right. I was afraid of right. what might happen, current, future. But I learned a lot from those guys because all around the gym were all these older photos of the bodybuilders yeah. from, you know, John's early days to the guys, especially of the 80s, who yep. trained in what we call, you know, Michael Hearn says power bodybuilding. Yeah. See, Michael Hearn grew up in that 80s era. Yeah. And so he was mentored by powerlifters who essentially they did a powerlifting exercise, then they did bodybuilding stuff. Yeah. And so that's what I learned at Diamond Gym. You do a heavy lift, then you do something with medium, medium mm -hmm. reps, then you do something high reps. So if we're squatting, we're going to maybe do a set of 20, 15, 12, 8, 5, 3, something like that. Or if yep. you're benching, you're going to go 15, 10, 5, you know, and then triples. Then you're going to do um, 
incline dumbbell bench, maybe incline barbell bench, but you're going to go six to eight reps. Then your finisher is going to be dips, flies, pullovers for sets of 15 to 20 or cable crossover. So you're going, you're doing like your strength, then you're doing your moderate strength hypertrophy, then you're doing pure hypertrophy. And that stuff could be very good for athletes if they simply blend in med ball throwing, sprinting, jumping. Some actual athletic stuff. Yeah. You pick up basketball. Our our best athletes from the early days of my first gym would lift at the high school for football, mandatory weight room, go home, have a shake, come to my garage and lift. Or when I opened the first location, they went there. Then when they were done, they'd go do pickup basketball several times a week on the weeknights. That was their speed and agility. Yeah. Nothing is more pure than free play. It's pretty cool. The, that, that, and I want to get back to one of the other things you said too, because it was fascinating, but that method, those, that pyramid style, right. Of that template of programming was very much in kind with the same mindset. Our, coach had in high school who was the one of the old wrestling coaches um but he was like in his early 60s when we were in high school and to this day i don't know if i've ever met anybody that's still as as jacked or in shape as this man is now and he's in his you know almost 70 now and i wonder um i wonder if he read the book it was from before i was born it's the uh wrestling physical conditioning encyclopedia by john jesse oh i wouldn't be surprised at all it, it's from 74, 72. And in yeah. that book, he's got grip exercises, yep. sandbag training. Yep. Um, did the York made the swing bell, you know, mm. for swings. So it's so funny. It's like, that's what I wish I, that's what I needed to have come across. Yeah. But it, it's the era I grew up in. That shit was like, you know, they, they probably thought that was like circus crap. And we, uh, and we grew up in like a small farming town, right? In Southern Idaho. And he was, you know, a farmer also. And so he had like all this real world strength that he would do, but we would do these kind of things. And I've, I, I know I've told this story before, but maybe not on the podcast. Uh, but my freshman year of high school, the summer before when we were getting ready for football stuff, the weight room was open from seven to 9 AM and seven to 9 PM every day during the summer. And so it was like, it, you know, cause some guys worked, so they couldn't come in the mornings sure. or whatever. So it was like, come when you can. I didn't have a car because I was only 14 and uh, we lived about three and a half miles from the high school. And so every morning at like 630, I'd get up and ride my bike to the gym. And this makes perfect. <laughs> Kids and, don't ride their bikes nowhere now. Seriously. Because I was like, I don't have a car. I can't get there. My dad, like my dad was out at work already or before that. Yeah. And so I was like, I'd ride my bike to the gym, but because I was only 14, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything to do afterwards. And so I was like, I would literally just stay at the gym the full two hours and train like twice and yes. then like go home and just eat whatever and hang out. And then like my friends that would come in the evening, I'd be like, Hey, what are you guys doing? And they're like, Oh, we're going to go work out. I'm like, okay, I'll come back. And like went back let's, in the evening and trained again. again. <laughs> like, Ross, that stuff right there. When I hear these stories and I'm reminded of them, I'm reminded of just how capable and how much energy a high school athlete should have. Oh yeah. And like, Dude, you know what's funny is like football's coming up and they have to lift in the weight room. And uh, so many parents at this time of year are like, oh, you know, Johnny's got football weight room. It's going to be too much. It's like automatic quitting time. And it's like, dude, why so weak minded? Like pound the food, lift with your school, 
come here, lift again as we fill, you know, at your school, you're going to do, you know, your squatting, your cleans. You come here, we get the sleds, the kettlebells, the jump training, the sprinting. Um, we fill in the gaps, but mm-hmm. you know who'll do that? People who want to be great. People yeah. who just want to be part of the team are, are, are simply going to um, do just what is required. And man, I've been doing these summer. You got to lift it because the bottom has a hole. You, I gave this speech to the kids yesterday and you would have thrown up in your mouth. At the back of the- <laughs> I gave them a speech about what it takes. COVID bullcrap is over. Mm-hmm. We are not ex- making excuses anymore. There's the restrictions are gone. If you haven't been here for three months, six months, you don't touch the bar. You're yeah. on a dumbbell squat today. Yeah. And kids who haven't lifted, who I could tell haven't lifted, went to the bar. And I'm like, I just said exactly what you will not be doing. Yep. And if you can't listen, you're not going to be invited back here. And then at the end, I said, I don't give an F if I got a barbell or not. I don't even, we don't need weights. I'll get you strong with a stone. Strong is strong. If you're so pissed at me for telling you to goblet squat, then pick up the 120 pound dumbbell and do it for 20 reps. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Totally. You know, Brett Bartholomew was telling me, you know, how he does the art of coaching and really understanding the psychology. He said, that's a tough age group because (laughs) sometimes it's the timing. They may not have gone through enough loss to realize, oh, I got to listen to Abnesh. They may not be ready to listen because it's simply that age where they're yeah. not going to listen to anybody. Yes. And so things that happen in my private facility, you know, at the underground are different than things that happen at, you know, the high school. And right. So it's just the constant, I don't want to say a battle, but it's constantly trying to educate and show them this is what works. And that's why I also use social because that's where their eyeballs are. So I show them that I'm training. I show them what we're doing. And um, at our high school, the baseball team won the group state title. So I don't know how many groups are in in New Jersey, but we were ranked 15th in the state. To win the states, they beat the 11th ranked team. So now they're probably somewhere in the top 10. And the baseball team has never stopped lifting with me. They even lift on the days they have a game. So when we had half school days, we'd get out at 1145. They would lift at 1230 and they would train like 20 to 22 minutes. And then they'd have a game around 3 p.m. or 230. So literally like, you know, science says you could do it. If there's a four hour gap, we had a two hour gap. I had to warm up a little. I had them do some shoulder health stuff with bands. We did some quick hurdle jump training, some skater jumps, some quick kettlebell work, med ball throws, got the nervous system hyped up. You guys go out and chill out. They like to stretch. So I said, go ahead and stretch. And I think it not only built them physically, but most of all, mentally. The right training gives you confidence. Well, and at that age too, like I, uh, I, for most of the things I do everything online now, but I still take in a handful of like local kids and stuff, uh, just cause you know, I love in-person stuff yes. and you gotta, it's different. You're going to keep that, the coaching eyes sharp by seeing people move in sure. person, you know? Um, but I just started working with this kid, uh, who's never, he's, he's going to be a freshman this year and has never been in like active 
really in his life, like never had done any kind of sports or anything like that. But he decided this year he wanted to go out for football because he's going to a new high school. And he said, I want to go out for football. And I trained his dad for a while. And so his dad's like, Hey, will you come work with him? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And we started working a few months ago and he just eats it up, man. Like he is like so fired up to train right now and just wants to work out. And he like gets like these effort awards when they had their first like team practice deal for the summer workouts. And he like going back to what you said about just the volume they can handle. Like I, I work with him personally only once a week, but, uh, he still has team workouts that he does three days a week. And then I give him some, you know, accessory stuff or some other things to do yeah. on the couple of those other days. And he comes to me and he's like super fresh and he's like, still, he's like, yeah, man, let's go. I'm ready. And I was just like yeah. that in that age, 13 to, 15, 13 to 15, like if you can get them plugged in at that age and put the right foundation and then it's, it's almost cake for the rest of I it. it mindset wise. I'm going to like, share this conversation we're having to like my gym parents and you know it's like a reminder of how capable we are and everything we stand for here is against you know just being normal you know that's enough we'll just stop at enough you know i love mark bell's quote he goes if you want to be great it's going to take the greatest effort of your life Mm -hmm. But some people are happy to just be part of the team. And uh, I love that you're training an incoming freshman because last year with COVID, the school and the weight room was closed. So when school opened in September, these freshmen were so small and unprepared, Mm -hmm. not just physically unprepared, but mentally that the freshman football coach told me that during, you know, halftime kids like, you know, came off the field and were like, coach, I don't want to go back in there. I'm scared. Because the other guys were bigger and kicking yeah. their like, dude, some of our kids were going airborne. And look, there's other, there's other freshmen. I, I train kids that have been, you know, they're going into high school and they're 14, but they look like they're 18. Yep. I've also trained, you know, 16 year olds who look like they're 12. So you've got the genetics, the biological age, the training age. And so our freshmen just did their second workout from number one to number two workout, I've already seen an improvement and they have done squats. Their push-ups are pretty bad, especially the heavier kids. They did uh, lunges, dumbbell military press, dumbbell curl, some squat jumps and hill sprints. And we're going to be doing that for, I would love to do farmer walks, but dude, yesterday I had 90 kids in the weight room. Holy cow. <laughs> dude. It was nuts. So I had like in the back was everybody who's been training with me all year. Right. Then kind of in the side was the guys who've trained with me, but not for the past three to six months. And then I had the freshmen. So I had these three groups going on and um, just no room to do things like farmer walks, which to me, if you want to get a new athlete strong, man, it's so simple. And, you know, pick it up and carry it. But that shit gets them strong and develops, it develops tremendous, you know, uh, GPP. It's amazing how just carrying shit puts muscle on these kids. Yeah, it's in, and to tie it all back into pretty much everything, even from like the old stuff we were talking about, it's, if the mindset's there, it's the, 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 the X's and O's of everything are so much simpler than what people want to think that it is in order to be successful. It's like, if you just, 
if you just get your head in the right place and understand it's just going to take work, like you can do Doing the I mean, work. Yeah. You just do kind of right. like not random stuff, but I mean, it's only a handful of things that you really need to do in order to get strong and be successful. Dude, you know, th- think of this, Ross, like you're saying, do only a handful of things. I've often said that like, I want to do carries, calisthenics, sprints, sleds. Yep. You know, and yeah, I want to use the barbell, but I don't need it. Yeah. I can get, if I could get kids doing push ups, pull ups, lunges, squat jumps, hill sprints, farmer walks, or different carries, mm-hmm. push truck. But look, with the 90 kids and our gym, our weight room, we're work, it's such a slow process to like build a public school weight room compared to a yeah. private school. You know, at the oh, private sure. school, they get donations and boom. At the public school, it's got to get approved. It's got to get voted on. Um, the people saying yes or no to what you're trying to do may have zero clue of what strength and conditioning is. Yeah. And so you got to build relations. You got to get the board of ed members to come in and see what's going on. It's pretty, uh, it's like a uh, complicated process to get yeah. like a barbell. And so I got to find ways to move quickly and to avoid all the yellow tape that slows people down. But to me, physical training is mental and vice versa. I never separate the two of them. And, uh, you know, ultimately the mind will drive the body, but a young kid has to learn those things or anybody who's untrained, you know, if somebody's 30 and they never worked out or trained before, they don't know that either. So I got to train them like a beginner. So, um, yeah, man old school. And my initial training stuff, Ross was like, what did I see on Rocky three and Rocky four? <laughs> yep. And what did the golden era bodybuilders do? Yep. I thought totally. of that stuff. They did a lot of, you know, basic barbell work, lots of five by five. And, um, and then I thought of Herschel Walker sprints, sprints, man. And so when sprints I push ups and pull ups, high reps, yep. body weight. When I trained people out of my parents' house, up the street around the corner was a, uh, we called it the woods and they had water towers at the top. Now there was a road, not for, you know, normal traffic. It was for whoever the service workers were and it was a hill. Mm. And so I remember the first kid I trained, Curdy, the basketball player, I used to like experiment on him. I'd make him sprint up the hill and then come down through the trails And it was like, I want you jumping over, you know, fallen trees and dodging trees. (laughs) Because to me, I was like, oh, man, it's like Rocky training. And then we had the field where we would play football or kill the man with the ball. So I started having Kurt do broad jumps and and, uh, bounding. And I didn't have the correct sets and reps. But I remember just like reading about, you know, Don Chu, the, you know, essentially the guy who really brought popularity to plyometrics, mm. even though Verkashansky was, you know, he, he came with the term shock training. Right. I was experimenting with stuff and seeing it before my eyes. Here's a kid who was a good ball player and then became very good. I don't want to say great. It's, you know, when I think great, you're thinking of a pro, but he was dunking the ball. He became yep. a team captain. <clears throat> college scholarships. And so that was out of a, a one car garage that his head could barely, you know, fit through, Crazy. you know, it, it just shows you it yeah. doesn't take fancy. 
I love it, man. Well, I know we're going to, we'll wrap up here because I know uh, we were on a time crunch awesome. today, but we'll do a part two. But before we I'd go, I, want, I, I know I sent you uh, a picture of it, but I wanted to show you. So I got this book. My friend found it for me in a little, uh, in a little bookstore in Montana. And it's a book called How to Get Strong and How to Stay So by William Blakey. And the book was written in 1879. But oh. This edition is actually from 1902. And so like this book came out in 1902, the one that I'm holding. Are there pictures in there or no? There's there's a couple. It's actually more of like a chapter book kind of thing. And I was trying to find a couple of the pictures, Um, but it's got like some of these like this, where it's like old school guy rowing like crew and stuff like that. But I want to send you some of like the excerpts of it because it's so cool, dude. Uh, There's a whole chapter in here called Physical Culture for Children. Oh and, my God, dude. Yeah. It's, take a, yeah, it's take awesome. a photo of it and text it to me. Yeah. You know, we, I love going into bookstores and I, I, even when I go into these old ones, it's still hard to find that stuff there. Yeah. It's, I think in like some big libraries in New York city, you might be able to find old stuff. I went to a local library here and I was really disappointed in like their, whatever you call it, fitness section. I mean, yeah. it was hard. It's uh, it's cool because they're and and I just love the way people like wrote and spoke the hundred years what ago. A title. I mean, it's, what yeah. a title! What title? And and there's and it's cool because there's got there's a chapter on uh, health and strength for women, which you would think like wouldn't have been a, a subject in a book a hundred fifty yes. years ago. Yeah, but the like first line, back. the first line. I'll just read you the first line of the physical culture for children is kicks off with the school, the true place for children's physical culture. Like that's the first line of it. And it's talking about like how to Im- incorporate movement throughout the school day. And I'm just like, Zach would freaking dude, dig this book. Now dude. I'm going to hunt that book down. Your friend probably got it for like $4. I, if that even. He's like, hey, we just found this book. I thought you'd like it. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Dude, so Peanut butter and jealous right yeah. now. <laughs> well, dude, awesome, man. Dude. Thank you. I appreciate you making some time and uh, we'll be yes, sure to do it again, dude. Awesome. Ross, what's the name of your podcast? Yes, Nomad Strength Show. And where can everybody... And I'll, I'll send you the, the links once I get everything edited yes. and put together if you want to share with the parents. And where's all your stuff on all the Instagrams and YouTubes and pretty much yeah. everywhere on the internet? Um, Strong Life Podcast. And then all the social handle is Z Evanesh. I got a free newsletter with two great strength training courses. So that's at ZachStrength.com. And my new certification sspcoach.com strength and sport performance coach and the next one is mid-august at sorenex headquarters oh dope yes i know <laughs> that's awesome I mean, i'm going to sleep on the floor of the museum <laughs> <laughs> i love it Nuts, uh, dude. awesome man well thank you thank again you, brother. brother i really appreciate you thank you my bro